Let us pray this morning. Father, just thank you for this time. I ask for it to be blessed. This morning is a, a simple message, and I just simply ask for a simple prayer to bless our time and bless your words. Amen. Um, when I was a kid, my father wanted to help me grow, wanted to help me learn, so he felt that sports and competition was a great way to do this. I imagine most of us would agree. My only uh, issue or my question for him was the kind of the methods that he chose. He chose to pretty much randomly throw me into any kind of sport and then hope I could kind of figure it out. Soccer was the first one, really huge field. I'm sure some of you are familiar with soccer, very big field. Uh, I'm not a fan of running, so no good. Then he put me in indoor soccer, smaller field if you know anything about it, but still requires running, and the ball moves faster, so it's like faster running. So that didn't work out. That didn't work out either way. Uh, so then after some thought, he basketball. This is a great one. Um, basketball is great, a lot less running. I could stop anytime I wanted to, throw the ball if I just wanted to not continue, which would be great. The problem with basketball was that I couldn't dribble very well. And if the ball actually left my hands and went into the basket, it was extremely lucky and rare. So when I was 11, though, my father, he put me in baseball. Uh, I started in a little league. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely, and I was good at it. I think my father enjoyed that part. I spent my time practicing. I spent my time learning. I wanted to get better because I loved playing. I wanted to be better and closer to what I loved. I didn't want this feeling to end. I didn't want it to stop. I just wanted it to continue. I just enjoyed it that much. Now, at some point, it did stop, though. It stopped being about me practicing and learning and playing because I loved the game and started being because, well, I wanted to, be, I wanted to win. I wanted to get that trophy. Um, I wanted to, everyone to notice me, how good I was. That's what it became about. In high school, I played a lot. I was heading towards championships, uh, putting a ton of effort and working towards that goal. Um, in towards that goal, sorry. And in my senior year, it wasn't about playing because I loved it. It wasn't about playing for anything. It became about playing because then it could pay for college. I mean, that was, that was it. Now, sometimes, sometime between the time I was 11 and the time I was 18, I'd lost that love that I had for this game. I had gotten distracted. I thought that I was focused in on what was important this whole time. But what had happened is that I'd lost focus on what was important. That one thing that I needed, I needed that childlike love for the game. Somewhere, somehow, I lost that. I thought getting distracted had ended, though, when I became an adult. I was saved. Uh, God had taken away all of these burdens that had been like crushing me my whole life. Um, at this point, I felt and wanted foc- uh, to focus on Jesus, uh, knowing Jesus, just being around people who knew Jesus and learning. I would talk with others after church. Uh, somebody would suggest a book to read. I would read it. Somebody would suggest a scripture to read or study, so I would study it. Uh, I would talk with people about the message that was delivered that day, their thoughts, and they would expand on them. And, and I was loving Jesus and growing closer to Jesus, and it was awesome. And in 2015, I was in this just great streak. I mean, I'm, I'm reading and I'm studying and I'm being mentored and I'm meeting people. I'm on my way to my first mission trip. 
I'm getting ready for my first sermon. I mean, I'm growing by great bounds, and I'm just loving this thing. But then towards the uh, middle and the end of 2015 and in 2016, uh, I, I, I wasn't feeling like I thought I should. I, I didn't feel like I did in those first few years. I felt, I didn't feel closer to Jesus. I felt distant. I felt distracted. I felt distracted by the things that I was doing, the meeting people, studying, reading, all the different resources. I felt distracted by other things. I felt distracted by my work, my wife's work, my daughter's struggles in school, bills. I mean, I could do this all day long. I imagine you guys could probably do this along with me. We could probably share all of these struggles that we have. Now, there's this movie I want to share with you briefly. Um, It's one of my favorite movies. It's called For the Love of the Game. And there's no big surprise here. It's about baseball. Okay? Yeah. Uh, No big surprise. It's about a pitcher at the end of his career. Okay? The movie flashes back between his past career, this girl that he loves, and then this current game that he's playing in. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it. Now, the conflict for him is that the girl is leaving to Paris forever. It's Paris. Sorry, it's cliche. She's leaving to Paris forever, and the team that he loves and that he's played with his entire career is getting ready, excuse me, sorry, is getting ready to be sold, and him along with it, okay? So he has this decision to make, either get the girl and give up baseball, this thing that he loves, or give up the girl and keep playing baseball, but for a different team. So he has a lot of things going on. He has a lot of distractions currently in his life. Not to mention the opposing fans as he's pitching in Yankee Stadium. Now, so the gist, that's the gist of the movie that goes on. Now, I tell you this because of how he deals with all of this. Now, just as far as it goes in the pitching, not the girl and stuff like that, but just the pitching. So for him to be successful, he has to do one thing, okay? He has to do one thing. That is throw a perfect pitch that the batter can't hit. Pretty simple. Now, he is about to throw. The pitcher and the pitch is not what he's focused on, though. His distractions, screaming fans, and all of the things that he has to do to throw that pitch is what he's focused on. He's not focused on the pitch. But then in this moment, he makes this turn and dips down and focuses on the batter, and he says, clear the mechanism. And then at this point, everything just fades out zones in right into that batter. He can hear nothing and he can see nothing except that batter. He winds up and he throws a perfect pitch, a fastball for strike one. He clears the mechanism. Now we have a lot going on in our lives. We get distracted. It's not where we want to be. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Give me a second here. I'm having a problem. Technical issues. The tech guys over there failed me here. There we go. Now we're better. I'll get you guys later. Sorry. So we have a lot going on in our lives, and it's not where we want to be. (laughs) What? I'm sorry. It's not where we want to be in our walk, but sometimes it's where we find ourselves. Okay? We, We want to be closer to Jesus. We want to be closer to him. We want to be connected. We want to be focused. That's what Jesus wants. I mean, that's what God wants. So when you look to Scripture, what does it tell you you should be doing? What do you see? Do you see know more, learn more? Or are you seeing something a little bit different? Are you seeing something else? So in our scripture today that we'll be looking at, 
We're going to focus on this idea of distraction, this idea of clearing things away so that we can seek what is important. Not just what is good, but what is best, what is needed, and what is necessary. Now, if you'd open your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Luke 10, verses 38 through 40, 42, 42, 42. And now, while you're turning there, let me just share this thought I had with you as I was preparing this message. I spent a lot of time, anybody who gets up here is going to spend a lot of time studying Scripture and commentaries and, and reading and looking at different things. Um, one of the things I read, I was reading Spurgeon, and as I was reading Spurgeon, uh, I realized something of all things. I was overthinking this whole thing. Um, now, don't misunderstand me. Spurgeon goes on for a really good long time, if you've ever read Spurgeon. Brilliant man. But the point was, it was still a very simple message. I mean, it wasn't complicated. So I thought to myself that I could probably do this message in about 10 or 15 minutes. All I'd have to do is just cut out the fluff and go straight to that point. Now, don't get your hopes up. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I put those paragraphs in anyways. I know it's not football season and it's not a holiday, so you don't get a pass today, okay? I'm kidding. I'm, I truly am. I'm kidding. My point is, let's just not overcomplicate this, this passage of Scripture. The passage is about seeking what is important. It's about seeking what is important, what is priority, what is needed, okay? So let me read this uh, passage for us, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has ser- left me to serve alone? Tell her then, help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So in this first verse, we see that Jesus is on his way somewhere. Now, the text doesn't tell us where, but from earlier scripture and later scripture, we we know that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And as we have seen in our time through Luke, He has been teaching and discipling and doing miraculous things as he's been going on his way. uh, There was nowhere that Jesus went that he didn't do something miraculous or impart God's wisdom to others. And here, with Mary and Martha, it's not going to be any different. Jesus enters the town and is met by Martha, who welcomes Jesus into her house. I said earlier, again, let's not complicate this message This is not a message we need to overthink. We have two women, sisters, both know and are followers of Jesus. When Jesus enters the home of Martha and Mary, you would expect there to be some pleasantries. Jesus and his disciples didn't just walk into the home, sit down, and start teaching. It'd be like a little bit like it would be today. Martha would have been welcoming. There would have been some introductions, some small talk. You know, please sit here, an offer of drink. So I'm sure not right away, but shortly after Jesus entered the home of Martha and Mary. Now this is the important part. Martha, instead of helping with preparations for the guests, went and sat at the feet of Jesus. That's right there in verse 39. Mary doesn't think to help her sister Martha. No, Mary's first thought is to go and sit at the feet of Jesus. 
It's the very first thing she thinks of. Mary clears this mechanism away. She knows that there is work that needs to be done, but instead she seeks just one thing, the necessary thing. Before we can see what Mary sees, why Mary's action is so important and needed, we're pulled away. We're distracted. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with, with much serving. Now, in this time, you would, you'd welcome somebody into your home, and there would absolutely be this expectation of a high level of hospitality. Now, of course, we still want and are expected to some extent to have that same measure of hospitality today. So I'm sure if you invited me or somebody else from church today over to your home, we wouldn't be insulted if you didn't offer us the good wine. If you just broke out the box, we'd probably be okay, some of us. I don't know. I, I don't drink wine, but I don't know if the boxes are good, but whatever. <laughs> they are. And if you have box in your refrigerator, I'm not insulting you. Sorry. So Martha, Martha welcomed Jesus and his disciples into his home, or into her home. There would have been things that needed to be done, okay? But is that all? Is making sure that all of these preparations are complete, the priority, needed above all else? Or is there something else that is more necessary? In this passage, Martha gets distracted uh, with what is going on. She gets distracted by preparation, ceremony, task. She's missing this amazing opportunity to just learn from the Messiah. She misses the one thing that is necessary. Now, indulge me for this quick moment. As I was reading through this story, one of the things that struck me is as I was growing up as a kid, my home around Christmas and Thanksgiving, and and just sometimes uh, gatherings, we'd have friends and family come over to my home, and now my mom's in charge. She's our patriarch. And this woman would be moving a mile a minute going everywhere. She's prepping, she's serving, she's taking things down, she's moving things away. She's uh, at the same time screaming at my fathers and my brothers and myself to get out of the kitchen because we're constantly sitting there in her way. It seemed like she never took time to just breathe and enjoy her family, to take the time to learn about us, to see what was going on in our lives. Now things, things are much different now, and they have been for quite some time. I mean, she learned how to clear this mechanism. Now, I mean, she still does things when people come over, but she moves around a little bit slower. She spends time with everybody. She asks questions. She gets to know you. She has a good time and lets my sister run around preparing things, setting things up, doing things, and screaming at us to get out of the house or out of the kitchen. No, no, the first one's true, probably out of the house. Now, I mention this because I don't want us to think that what Martha does is not correct. She's fulfilling her duties. She is doing the things that need to be done. But the question is, to what extent she goes to do it? Okay, to get them done. Will all that she's doing lead or contribute to that one thing that is needed? The answer is that, I mean, it may. But in this moment, it's a distraction. It's distracting her from what's truly needed this opportunity with the Messiah right there in Jesus' words. But one thing is necessary. Now, I mentioned this one thing, this necessary thing a few times. So my hope is at this point, you have either figured it out or you know what this one thing is. It's Jesus. It's his teachings. Now, 
we don't overthink it. We just look straight there. Jesus and his teachings, not all this other stuff. Mary got it. The first thing that Scripture tells us, tells us what Mary did was to sit at the feet of Jesus. The very first thing. It's the second line, right? It's verse 39. It's the very first thing that she does. She didn't get distracted with pouring drinks for her guests or other duties. She cleared this mechanism. She pushed away all of these distractions so that she could hear the words of her Lord and Master. But before we could understand what she was doing, we were pulled away by what Martha did, what Martha thought was important. So now we're going to clear that away, and we're going to focus on what Mary does. It's a very simple act, but one with so much meaning. When Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, she wasn't getting out of helping her sister or waiting to hear some story. She was submitting. By going and sitting at the feet of Jesus, she shows her belief, her faith, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that the words and the teachings that are coming from him are God's. Mary's giving herself to her Lord and Master. Jesus. The act of sitting at Jesus' feet shows faith and a readiness to believe and obey. Mary's heart and mind are open and in a position of submission to Jesus and his teachings. Submission is a tough word. Submit, submission, all of these are tough words. But you're going to hear them a lot right now. It's important to know that it's not just her body that sits at Jesus' feet, though. It's her heart as well, constantly there. It never leaves. She may physically leave, but her heart is always going to be there. Mary knows that Jesus is her Lord and Master, and because she knows that, she knows that the words coming from him not only need to be heard, they need to be obeyed, but are absolutely necessary and are absolutely necessary to be a follower and to know Jesus. This is a must. Necessary. Not just some of what Jesus is teaching, but all of it. We cannot sit at the feet of Jesus and only hear what we want to hear. It's all or nothing. We submit fully. You don't need to turn there. I just want to read the scripture for you guys really quick. It's Luke 6, verse 46. You can look it up later. You probably know it, though. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord when you, not, when you do not do what I tell you? Now, in the following verses, Jesus goes on, and I can just summarize it. He goes on to say, Everyone who hears my words and does them is like a man who builds his home on a deep, strong foundation of rock. This is that one thing that is necessary. Do we have this? Do we have Jesus in our hearts? Are we at his feet? Are we ready? We have his teachings. They're in our Bibles, right there in your laps. They're in our Bibles. For you tech people, they're probably in your palm. Now let me ask you, does your heart sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary's? Or are you distracted right now like Martha? These are Jesus' own words. There is one thing that is necessary. Can you clear the mechanism? Or are you like Martha, so distracted that the only thing you see is the task, the preparation, the box not checked off? 
has it gone as far as it has gone with Martha, that not only is it the only thing that you see, but you want others to see and do the same. Martha's so consumed by what she's doing, the task at hand, that she even seems to get an attitude with Jesus. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet learning. Martha's running around trying to get things done that she thinks needs to be done so that she can please her guests and please Jesus. And she gets frustrated with the lack of help from her sister. In verse 40, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? I mean, that's a question. Martha is questioning the Messiah, her Lord and her Master. She continues on, but the tone seems to change. And maybe this word's a little bit stronger than I should be using, but I'm going to use it anyways. She goes from questioning to kind of a command. She says to Jesus, tell her then to help me. I mean, I'm just thinking as I'm reading this, wow, is this how we would respond to Jesus being our Lord, Jesus being in our homes, in our hearts, and in our lives? Would you pray, and in that prayer, would you ask God to do what you want to be done? Would you say, hey, I want that raise at work? Would you question God in a prayer? God, why do you bless so many others while I sit here and struggle? When other things take up space in our hearts and minds, we are being distracted. We lose sight of what's the one thing that we should be focused on, Jesus. This is when we have to clear that mechanism and focus on that one thing right back again to Jesus. Jesus is our Lord, and we need to be at his feet, willingly submitting to him as he teaches, because he is our Lord. Some of you here today are distracted. Instead of sitting at Jesus' feet in submission, faith, belief, love, and hearing and doing what he is teaching, you're being pulled away. You're being consumed, distracted by the things that, yes, I believe can be good and are needed, but they're not the one thing that is necessary. These distractions, honestly, can happen without us even knowing them. They can happen when our intent is to grow closer to Jesus. As we're trying to move closer to him, somehow we can move and get distracted. As I was working through this message, I remember thinking of some of the distractions that that I experienced in my own walk. Some of you may share them. Money. How much time do we spend? How much energy do we expend into building up our worldly treasure, a bigger house, a nicer car, nicer clothes, finer furnishings, things that maybe we don't need but we want? We spend hours away from the ones that we love and away from the one needed thing, and we say that it's so that we can spend spend time with the ones that we love, We say it's so that we can afford the things that are going to get us closer and help us seek Jesus, like the books and the movies and the videos and the worship concerts and the spiritual getaways and the the lectures and the thingamabobbers. But these things are distractions. They can be. We need to clear these mechanisms or clear our mechanisms. All that we need is in Scripture, one book. And the last time I checked, We don't charge for you to come in here. 
This drive to have more sometimes will lead us to other things. How many of you have walked into your home after a hard day and say, man, I just need time to unwind. I need to clear my mind. And the first move you make is right to your TV remote. And you say, well, I'll pray or I'll read later. This is a distraction. Maybe you put in a movie that's about Jesus. I mean, that can't be bad, right? I mean, maybe it's not. But it's not best. It's not that one thing. Best is the Bible. Best is prayer. Best is your submissive heart at Jesus' feet. That's what's best. Now, how about work? Now, I'm pretty sure you're thinking work. Let's see, I need to work. I mean, how can work be a distraction? I need to go. But how much time and effort do we put in at work? (laughs) Building relationships and all of these different people and that take us away from home. Do you put more time and effort in moving up that corporate ladder than you do moving closer to God? Those are just a couple of the really easy ones. These are ones that we can pick out sometimes ourselves. Or if somebody points out in us, we're like, yeah, I got that. I can clear this away, and I will focus on Jesus. But what about the things that are supposed to be good? These things that we should be doing. Things that are biblical that can help us seek and grow closer to God, like church, the Bible, or sorry, Bible study, fellowship. Now, all of these things are important. All of these things are correct and needed, but they are not the priority. They are not the one thing that is necessary. It's important that we do them and that we serve, and I have been up here on more than one occasion talking about how important it is for the church body to help the church to serve the church, to help in the community, to do things, to get involved, to be a part of a small group. I've done that. But these things can be distractions. I mean, do we serve so that we can mark off another box of good things done? Or do you study so that you can flex that theological muscle? Are you here today because it's what you think you need to do, but it's not where your heart led you? I mean, let's ask ourselves this question. Is our submission and obedience to the church and religion and not where it needs to be to Jesus and his teachings? Are we distracted and failing to clear this mechanism to listen to Jesus' words? What is right? What is the good portion? All of it. Are we wrapped up in hours of discussion about verb usage and text content and theology and miss out on hours of just seeking Jesus in prayer and in Scripture? Has it become more about you and less about Jesus and wanting to know him and his teachings? This next distraction is a little bit tougher. It's really easy to do, and it happens all the time. Our pastors and our leadership, do we further encourage our distractions by relying on pastors and leaders in our church to grow our knowledge of Jesus? Do you put time in on Sundays and one night during the week for Bible study because you learn so much from the pastor's sermon? I mean, he does an amazing job. I learn a ton. Is the only time that you open your Bible on Tuesdays during small groups or life groups, because the, the leader that leads that is just amazing, and I get so much out of it. Is that what we do? Is our growth in relationships solely based on pastors, 
and leadership's knowledge and growth, or are you clearing the mechanism every day and leaning on Jesus and his words and his teachings, seeking growth and knowledge through the Holy Spirit? Not just to build up your knowledge, but to build up that relationship with Jesus. Again, is your heart at the feet of Jesus? Now let me end with this one last distraction. As I was reading this one this morning, and I felt this one would be unusually tough. Blessings. How can that possibly be a distraction? How often do we ask for them, though? Do you spend time in your prayer praying for things that are good, things that are needed like health, safety for family, a way that you can get a needed break, money or resources so that you can do some ministry, a good life group so that you can grow closer to God? Do you pray for our wisdom, for our our elder team and and, uh, Grady as he's getting ready to do a sermon? Or do we just pray to be blessed? Now, all of these things are good, but they miss that one thing, that one thing that is necessary, and that's Jesus' teaching. We need to pray for wisdom, strength, understanding, and the heart to hear Jesus' words and the ability to obey them. To truly know Jesus and walk as he walked, we need to pray that our hearts are always at Jesus' feet and open and ready to hear his message, to hear his teaching. Have you ever just prayed to be in God's presence? And if so, how often? Are you distracted by needing and asking for help from Jesus that you miss out on just wanting Jesus? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? Now, I want everybody to take a moment. I want you to clear this mechanism. I want you to clear all your distractions away. I want you to clear your minds, your hearts. Now, don't worry about what you have to do later today. Don't worry about what you have to do later in the week. Honestly, don't even think about the last 20 minutes. Just focus on Jesus. Now, you can close your eyes if you want. You can bow your head. You can stare into space. It doesn't matter. Just focus on Jesus. Go to his feet and sit there. And let, me, let this thought enter your mind and your heart. Jesus wants you to clear this mechanism, clear away the distractions. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his teachings. He wants you to know the Father. Jesus wants you to walk on this earth as he has walked on this earth, not just as a hearer of his word, but a true doer of his word. And we can overcome these distractions. In Jesus, strength and power, his strength and power, we can overcome this. We can clear this mechanism. In this passage today, Jesus gives us the secret to it all, the key to that one thing that is needed, necessary, Martha was distracted, but Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by about, uh, about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Right now, Jesus is saying to us, we are troubled and we are anxious about a great many things, but there is just one thing that is necessary, and that is to sit at my feet and listen. 
Let me pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your son Jesus who came to this earth and walked on it in flesh without sin so that not only could he be the perfect lamb and bear our sins so that we could be pure and be reconciled to you, but that he could impart your righteous wisdom and teaching. We thank you and praise you for your son and the simple words, the simple instruction that will lead us to you. I ask that we are clear that we are able to clear away what is in our minds and what is in our hearts and seek the Son. That when these distractions do come upon us, and they will come upon us, that we are, that your light will shine, it will shine bright, and it will lead us back to you, back to your feet, back to the Son's feet, where we can hear and learn and focus on what is truth and what is righteous. Amen.